Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 Calgary West. Yes, that's excellent. We encourage you all to be part of the next steps. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Good to see so many happy faces this morning. Um, most of you know about the um, Uprising Initiative, as we've been reading through and studying the book of Nehemiah. It occurred to me that before we take our next steps, we need to call the church a six months of prayer. And so we've begun that process. If you'd like to be part of that, we have a, an, uh, um, we have an email address that you can just send your information to, and we'll keep you updated. It's an interactive intercessory assignment, so the things that you hear and discern, we want you to send them in. We'll collaborate those and then send them out on a regular basis. So we honestly feel that God's heart for our city is accelerating for us as a church, and we need to be doing our part as a gate church for our city. So even that song this morning that uh, the team wrote, who, how many did it take to do that? Just you alone or? Me and Lyndon. You and Lyndon, yeah. The duo. It's excellent. And really good. And in light of, yeah, go ahead. Just in light of that, this last weekend, strange little moment where I was asked to share my story, which I don't like talking about that old guy that much. I'd rather talk about the new guy who's been recreated in Christ. But um, apparently there's a lot of people who need to be reminded that, that prayers are outside of time and space, and there's a good chance that you're here this morning because somebody very specifically prayed. Otherwise, you'd be doing something else. But you're here because the hand of God began to move as someone interceded for you. And so we believe that Calgary is full of men and women that need to find Christ and need to find a community of faith. And so we're going to begin to pray and we're trusting, we've already begun, but we're going to trust the Lord to give us a, a, an expansion strategy for our city before we strike off on our own, and we know he's going to do that. So anyway, good morning, everybody. Welcome. I have a renewed thing in my heart for family right now as I went through that story. Deeply thankful for my heritage. Nice to have my sister and brother-in-law, my, fa- my fa- mother-in-law and father-in-law, and, um, and that we are a household of faith, and this is a household of faith. And so we want to just remind us of all that all the time. And so I want to thank everybody for the comments as well. You've seen the story and, and whatever. Um, like, thank you for that very much. I'm, um, I'm, I'm convinced more than anything that, that nothing can keep someone from coming to Christ. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. And, um, and I'm deeply indebted to the power and the person of Jesus in my life, and so I'm very thankful for that. All right, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah chapter 5. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to preach through probably about four or five chapters, which means I'm not going to, it means I'm going to skim. That's what it means. I'm not going to power preach. I'm just going to skim, tell the story. And uh, it's just remarkable to me how incredibly practical the book of Nehemiah has been for me this season. I love the Word of God. And when it begins to unfold in your life, there's nothing like it. There's just nothing like the Word of God when it begins to come alive in your heart. 
And, and this last couple of weeks, um, I've just been personally very stirred with the story of Nehemiah. And so I've entitled this morning's message, From Guilt to Gratitude. And, and something took place when he began to step out in obedience. Of course, the first thing that happened, he attracted opposition. And, but he began to, but as he started to follow the passion in his heart, the Lord invited him into a place of prayer. And then he went before the king and got permission to take some of the next steps. We're following the peas. Uh, and then he gathered the people, the right people, to fulfill the task. If you're going to do something for God, it's going to require more than just yourself. It requires people. Uniquely gifted, different, gift, different gifts. Uh, last week, then we went into talking about the power of our words, how we speak, and how we should be considering every word is a seed that will grow into something. Consider every word that you speak as being a something like a, like a tree seed that's going to be planted in your front yard and going to grow up into something that you're going to have to look at. Because our words, the quality of them create the quality of our life. And so the power of words in declaring the vision, reminding us of the vision. And then what happened after that, of course, as the, as the project came to an end, it resulted in great praise. People started to get extremely thankful for what the Lord has done. But Nehemiah in the last part after chapter, we're just going to do chapters 5 to 9 this morning, but in the last part, what he did is he, he put into place some protection, and he reminded them to re, reinstate certain protection measures for the vision in order for it to be maintained. So we're going to look at that, and, and I just want to, as I, last week, we talked about the, the connection between the heart and the mouth. And how that David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, your heart and your mouth are connected somehow, mysteriously. In the same way, gratitude and joy are connected. Um, I was just reading through uh, Brene Brown's book on the gift of imperfection. And she, in her research, she discovered that, that joyful people were the most thankful people, which made a logical conclusion for her. But then she discovered, no, it actually wasn't the joyful people that are the most grateful. It's the most grateful people that are the most joyful. <laughs> that those go together. You'll notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, be joyful always. And then it says, and in everything give thanks. This is God's will for you. And so I think that those two go together quite well. So here's what happens when we follow the Lord. The end result as we follow the Lord in his vision for our lives, at the end of a God-given vision is the Lord. And that's what we're going to discover as he authors something. And we, we're just going to read through a number of passages. Before I do, I want, to, I want us to consider Psalm 127, verse 1, that we've referred to many times. Unless the Lord builds the house, and we're talking about building a life, building a wall, building a business, building a family, it's, all the, it's still the same. Unless the Lord does it, they labor in vain who build it. But then the next part of that is unless the watchmen keep it, unless they are, and, and my version says this, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen guard it in vain. Well, who's watching over it? Is it the Lord or is it the watchman? It's the watchman that the Lord empowers. How does he build his house? Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. Who's building the house of the Lord? They, you and I. How does the Lord build? How does the Lord provide? Through people. 
How does the Lord protect what he's built? Through people. I'm hoping this morning that God would stir in your heart the desire to pray and protect some things that the Lord has already done and is already doing. We're told also the danger of ingratitude. In, in Romans chapter 1 verse 21, it says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. And the result was their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. What happens when we are ungrateful is our hearts get foolish and our thinking gets uh, darkened. Colossians 3 verse 17 says, we're devote, to devote ourselves to prayer with an alert mind. <laughs> um, let me just finish this instead of that crazy thought I have. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. I'm, one of the things I've no, noticed about my kids is anytime they start to pray, they begin with thank you. And the reason is that any prayer that I ever started in our home began with thank you. It's, it's, the reason is, is that's an access point into the presence of God somehow. We, we think that Thanksgiving is just something nice that grandma wanted us to do, to count your blessings. But as it turns out scientifically, it's the pathway to happiness and the pathway to joy and the pathway to the presence of God. It's not something simple. It's something profound. And we'll talk about what took place in the life of Nehemiah, and then we'll look at, I'll close with an interesting story. And so if I could offer you something that would improve your health, lower your blood pressure, reduce acne, and improve your love life, would you be interested? If so, I want to talk about gratitude this morning and thankfulness. So I want us to just have a look at Nehemiah chapter, and I want to start at, I just want to read chapter 6 and verse 15. I will make reference to chapter 5 and 7, 8, and 9. But for right now, I just want to read this passage. It says in verse 15 of chapter 6, on October the 2nd, first of all, that kind of gets my attention, right? It's right now, but it's 400 BC. I mean, it's 2,500 years ago, but right now. On October the 7th, the wall was finally finished, just 52 days after we had begun. And when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. Isn't that profound? They followed the Lord, and the enemies now became frightened and humiliated. And then it says this, and they, because they realized that the work had been done with the help of our God. At the end of a God-given vision is God. He's the one that gets the glory. Um, it's how we build a church, how we build a life. When you pursue a God-given passion or vision that he's burnt, built birth in your heart, the end result will be him. People will point to him. That, by this I mean that at the end of doing something for God that you've stepped out to do in faith and he's empowered you along the way and gathered the people and gathered the resource, at the end people will go, wow, how did that happen? It's him. You can't, you can't take an unskilled ex-drug dealer and say, well, let's just go ahead and build a church and, and, and inspire hundreds of people to give millions of dollars. You can't do that. I can't do that. This is the most evident thing of the presence and the glory and the, of God as anything is with the, where you're sitting this morning. I'm not, how could I ever do this? Couldn't. Because it just took a whole bunch of people 
and it took them agreeing with the purposes of God. And at the end, we look around and we go, thank you, Jesus. That's what we do. Man, it's impossible. It's impossible to be thankful without remembering. If you can't recall, gratitude is connected to memory. When we forget to remember, we're no longer thankful. You have, it requires memory. What we do on Thanksgiving Day, which should be every day of the, of the year, you should be able to stop and look back and say, thank you, Lord. And look back over your life and say, thank you, Lord. Look where you are today. So many things that we have to be thankful for. It should stir up gratitude in our heart. The miracle may not only be the fulfillment of the vision that happened through you, but it's also the, vision, the, the miracle that happens within you. What happens when we step out for the Lord to do something, we're changed. We're completely different. We're never the same as, as if we hadn't stepped out. What's keeping us from stepping out in obedience? Because once you do, you're, you're changed, completely changed. Um, you look at chapter 5, and right at the end of chapter 4 there, I'm just going to scoot through this because it was a great, chapter 4, verse 19 said it was a great work. Uh, chapter 1, verse 5 says it took a great God. But chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, there was a great cry went out. The opposition outside was not nearly as challenging as the opposition that was inside. Everybody began to complain. It was the money thing. Chapter 5 is the money thing. It's always part, it's, it's, somehow it's all mixed up in this whole thing about fulfilling the call of God. Money gets involved sooner or later. And, but in, instead of calling an economic summit, he actually called a worship service. And something changed when they begin to call on God. We're going through a season right now in our church that's quite significant financially. And we're going to have to make some decisions what we're going to do. But I know what we've been called to do. We've been called to influence our city. And so ultimately the Lord will show his hand strong and he'll move on people to provide what's needed to fulfill that vision. I know it. That's what happens. And then you get to the end of chapter 5. There's a very hilarious passage there. Uh, it says the provisions required were at my expense. Nehemiah paid the bill for all their meals, and they weren't just happy meals. It says that they were at his expense. Every day, one ox, six fat sheep, not the skinny ones, and a large number of domestic fowl, <laughs> birds, a whole bunch of chickens. And it said, and then every 10 days, we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine. They would have been a happy crew, I suppose. I just need to apologize for anybody that was involved in this project. Not only did we not have all kinds of wine, we had, all, we had no kinds of wine. <laughs> There's no, now and again, we did a little communion, but that was it. Sorry, everybody. But for the wall, it said they had a large supply of all kinds of wine. I have no comment to make on that other than letting you know. Um, <laughs> chapter 6, right at the end, they remember, oh God, one more of his prayers, of the 12 prayers of Nehemiah, this is a good one. Remember, oh my God, all that I have done for these people and bless me for it. It's a little, it's a little different than the prayer of Jabez, but I think someone should write a book on that as well. I think that's pretty profound. So here we start chapter 6, and the opposition continues. Uh, when Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of the enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and had no gaps remain... Though we had not yet hung the doors and the gates, Sambalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet with them in one of the villages. But I realized that they were plotting harm for me. What would be wrong with just meeting with somebody, right? He, I just so admire his focus and his determination to finish what God had called him to do. Here's what one of the primary enemies of fulfilling a God-given vision is to steal your focus. If you can steal your focus, you'll steal the vision. 
So he says here that, that uh, but, but I realized they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending the message to them, I'm doing a great work, I can't stop and come and meet with you. Don't you love that? You're not as important as the project. Sorry, buddy. And then it says on verse 4, four more times the same message came. The, the trick, the, and, and the whole thing here is that they were, if they couldn't steal his resolve, they thought, well, we'll steal the focus. I don't know what's happening in the mission that God has placed you on, but it's very easy to get off focus. There's lots of things to take our attention. He stayed on track, and I love that. And then chapter, you, you read through the rest of that, so I prayed for strength and I kept going. Verse 11, then it replies, um, he, they hired a prophet, if you can imagine, and the prophet was a false prophet. And he said, I seen through what you were trying to do, and I would not sin by following him. It's just, he's just saying, I'm going to follow one voice, and that's the voice of the Lord. But he said, and then he prayed this other prayer, saying, remember, O Lord, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sambalat have done, and remember Nodiah, the prophet, and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. It's, 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 even in the, like in the body of Christ, there's so many voices. Not every voice is God. Even a thus saith the Lord voice. And probably if some ask, someone has to prefix it with thus saith the Lord, it may, you just, it's questionable. It's from the Lord, you'll know in your heart. You don't have to make the declaration, right? Uh, when someone has to remind me that they were speaking on behalf of the Lord, I just go, hmm, okay. I'm just saying. If you come to me and you want to give me, submit something to me, I'd be happy to look at it. But if you come to me shaking, Thus saith the Lord. I'll probably ah, go simmer down and come back when you're all cooled off. Write it out. Something like that. Listen, I'm just saying that not every voice is the Lord. Not every voice is the Lord. It needs to, it needs to bear witness what already is going on inside of you. The Lord wants to speak to you. He, hopefully you have ears to hear. Sometimes he sends prophets. He has my way many times. But this slander, the intimidation, and then the hired gun... And then the, one of the most disgusting things is this prophet was there with his grandson. He implicated his grandson in the whole scheme. That's disgusting to me. Anyway, and then chapter, at the end of the chapter 15 there, so we finished the work. Thanksgiving and praise are a way of seeing. I believe that a grateful heart helps us to see. It unveils what God has already done. It's expressions of faith that confront the enemy's destruction and the disappointments that are around us. Um, here's, what, here's what Nehemiah was doing, just this little transition. He's, he's wrapped up the building. He's finished the project. He's faced the opposition. And there's a, there's a shift, a subtle shift that's about to take place here. And when I realized, seeing this, I go, oh, that's, that's just beautiful. I want you just to be... Listening, as you read through the, the rest of Nehemiah, you'll find something quite interesting, that, that there's a complete transition takes place. And he says, now that the project's basically done, except for hanging a few doors, he needs to now protect the thing that God has done for him. To all, spiritual warfare always has two parts to it. There's getting the victory, and then there's keeping the victory. Met someone who got some victory, but they didn't set up protective measures around themselves and patterns in their life and disciplines to keep the victory. This happens many times when some, someone gets healed and they go back living the same way they were before. And, and once the Lord has healed them, and this has happened, God delivers you, God comes through for you, and then you just go back to an old pattern of life again. 
We're meant to go our way but alter our lifestyle as a result of it. I see it probably most um, in the life of young married couples where they think, okay, now I'm married. But then they keep acting like single people. I often tell them that. From this day on, you're no longer single. So stop acting like it. It sounds like a simple thing. But what happens when you're married is you, as soon as you get married, the, 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 getting married is easy. It takes us, I've, I've timed it. It, it. You can get married in eight minutes. <laughs> Seriously. A couple signatures. Do you, do you, uh-huh, okay. Getting married is easy. Staying married. That's the challenge. And then staying happily married for a lifetime requires incredible skill and art. Once you get married, you need to set up, now you need to protect the covenant of marriage. You need to set up measures and mentors, and you need to sign up for seminars, and you need to do devotionals together. You need to be part of a great church that, en- that enforces the values of marriage as well. And y- then you need to show up at church, get into worship, and hear the word of the Lord. Listen, marriage is under an extreme attack right now. Every marriage has an enemy. So you have to set up protective measures. You got to set up walls and you got to set up gates. No, none of that. No, none of that. No, we're not going out with the boys tonight. I'm staying home. I'm going to nurture my marriage. You got to set up protection to maintain what the Lord has done. I, I see it over and over again. Set up protective habits. Because the enemy and places where the enemy had access, you got to close the doors. When I, when I came to faith in Christ, it's still such a miracle to me when I tell the story. Uh, did I go through deliverance and did I get counseling? I said, you know, I was just such an c- c- incredible conversion. I didn't need any of that. It was like that old man is gone and the new man had come. The deal was maintaining. I felt so clean. I didn't want to do anything to tamper I didn't want to do anything to, to, to make the, the container dirty again. I'd lived with so much guilt and that pressure on my shoulders. I didn't want to do anything again. I didn't want to be entangled again. Some of you, when you hear that, one of the mission statements of Jesus is, he came to set at liberty those who are bound or to set captives free. You say, well, I'm not free. Uh-huh. Most people are, still have unresolved issues from their past, and they're still held captive to unhealed areas from their past. Jesus came to deliver you from all of your past dysfunctions. That's why he came, to set at liberty those who are bound. Are you still tied to any dysfunction from your past? If so, you need to know Jesus is deliverer. When I came to Christ, I knew him as savior and deliverer. Maybe you need to know him as deliverer today, to deliver you from your past dysfunction and, and, and discouragements. Thanksgiving in a marriage is like Kevlar. If you haven't learned that, begin to thank, look for the things in your spouse that you're thankful for. And, and, and listen, thanksgiving that's not spoken is useless. And then say it. And then, and then say it like you mean it. And then say it specifically. And then say it again. I'm telling you that thanksgiving will guard your heart in marriage. I know there's things that aren't going right. What the heck? Well, there's... When I think of things I'm, what do I, you think I want my wife to be pointing out the things that, that are not working in my life? I want her to look at the things, here's what happens, is because you're beginning to water the seeds that are in their life already. When you're thankful for that stuff, have you been, have you today, have you said to your spouse some things that you're thankful for? If not, you need to do that. It's powerful in healing a marriage. Otherwise, your focus begins to go on all the things that are not right with them. 
I know it. Nobody said amen, but you know it's right. <laughs> you do know it's right. I couldn't hear you. I, I couldn't hear you. I don't think you're all that convicted. Okay, amen. Let's go with that. I want to read now. Here's the transition that takes place. Uh, it's called, I call it the Great Awakening. It's going from guilt to gratitude. Because as soon as it got finished, something profound took place in their life. It says, the enemies were humiliated and frightened. Chapter 7, verse 1, after the wall was hung, I, and I hung, sorry, finished and the door was hung, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Levites were appointed. I gave responsibility to the governing leaders. He said, after we finished the wall, then we protected the wall. We put things in place. What is he doing? He's restoring those things that were on God's heart. This, is, this, has, been, this has been like this for 140 years. And the Jews had been living there. Everybody had seen it. But Nehemiah is the only one that had the cojones to step out and do something about it. Hananiah came along with, here's what can happen. You may not be a Nehemiah, but you might be a Hananiah. After God fulfills a vision that you've seen and you identify, you come in to help protect the vision. And he says, he was the commander, put him in commander of the fortress. And here's why. For he was, a, he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. I love that. And then he says, and then he started to set stuff in place. Okay. Um, October, they finished. And then uh, in, in chapter, oh, and then they just want you to a look now. So this is October, uh, 445 BC. So 2,500 years ago. But it's this time of year. And they'd finished the wall. And something starts to happen in verse 73 of, of chapter 7. Chapter 73, it says, um, and then it lists out all the people that were involved there. They kept good records. Um, he was obviously, uh, Nehemiah is obviously a little bit, um, yeah, OCD. Um, so then it says, so the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, and the temple servants, along with some of the people, that's all in Israel, they settled in their own towns. And in mid-October, when the Israelites had settled, all the people assembled together as one person. Okay, so here's what happened in the project. Everyone's working on the project. Project's done. What happened? The project tended, all of a sudden, they found, ah, we're unified. When you do something together with someone else, something in common, this is why every marriage has to agree on doing something together. Because it brings you closer to one another. So here's what took place. He says, they gathered as one person and, I, and, and in the, at the square just outside the Watergate. Why is that important? You'll know in a minute. Underline Watergate. Nixon wasn't involved in this. <laughs> it's the Watergate. The, the, each one of the gates of the city, restoring those gates, are, a, are like every step in your walk with Christ. Come in through the sheep gate. We all like sheep have gone astray. Then the fish gate, and then we begin sharing our story. Then you learn all these other steps, but he, they're at the Watergate. And it says, that, and then they did something. This is really cute, I thought. They said they asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Have you ever been someplace and uh, somebody says, they look around, they want to, they you know, it's time to, you're about to eat, eat, a, eat a meal or something, and they look over and they say, uh, you pray. Everything? I'd like to defer if I can. But he, Ezra... He's been around for 14 years. It says in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, it says that he had, he had prepared his heart to seek the Lord to do it and to teach it. Now watch what's going to happen. Watch what's going to happen. They all gathered together because God had, they'd finished this project. They, now they're all in one accord. And here's what they, here's what they said. Um, we should read the Bible. It's just interesting, isn't it? 
Why, what's happening? The heart of God is being restored to his people. There's a hunger now for the word at the water gate. You know, water, the word, word is meant to be water. It's like living water. And a spirit is a type of water. They're at the water gate. So they begin and they said, uh, Ezra, I think it's time for you to start, start. Could you read the Bible? And here's what he does. He reads the first uh, five books of the Bible. That's all they had at the time. They didn't have the book of Nehemiah. Hadn't been written yet. Hello. They're living it. So here's what he did. They began reading the five books of, of Moses. And as he began to read it, in chapter 8, you'll see one word shows up kind of six times. And that word is understood. I couldn't help it. He said, because he, here's what happens. Many times people think the Bible is magic. And you just read it like an incantation. Have you ever found people like that? Or else they'll just throw on at the end of a prayer in Jesus' name. As if that's going to... So we all do it. Okay, guilty. But when you pray, it's meant to not be just... It's not be, or when you declare scripture, it's not meant to be just declared as word. It's meant to come from the heart because you understand it. And it has some authority behind it. Do you see what I mean? Do you see what I mean? It's not just, you can't just say, I'm just going to read the Bible over you now. It's just words. Unless it's got some faith behind it. We get superstitious about the Bible. This is ink and this is paper. But this is unbelievably powerful if you get it into your heart and begin to declare it with faith. Everything changes. It can alter history. It can alter DNA. It can alter family trees. But you got to believe it if you're going to share it. Do you see I had some conviction there? I just meant what I said. That was an illustration. Nehemiah, so something cool happens. I'm just going to speed up. Because some, something happens. Here, it's very cool. He opened up the book and began to read. And everybody stood to their feet. And then he began to teach the word, and everybody began to weep. Why? Because all of the guilt. We're just, we got to get past the guilt and into glory. Something very unique took place here. I don't have time to go through every, but, Neo, but Nehemiah eventually says this. He says, listen, stop weeping because the joy of the Lord is your strength, not your guilt. They go, he starts reading through the scriptures. They go, oh, gosh, we've, we've crapped out. We quit doing that. We quit doing that. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. Oh. It says that they stood there for five to six hours. And, that's not, and, and you know what happened? They came back the next day for more. And the next day for more. Unbelievable. You think our services are long. <clears throat> so here's what happened. And it says, so then it says what took place is they went from guilt to gratitude. And you got to see this transition. Because something took place at an incredibly strategic time. If you've got your Bibles, you should read uh, the rest of chapter 8. But here's what they realized. As they're reading through the book, probably Leviticus about 23, they would have realized at this time of the year, at this very day, was the Feast of Booths. Why is that? Why am I excited about that? I don't know. But I think it's just so cool because it wasn't coincidental. What was the Feast of Booths? That was the thing the Lord said, you know, you've been delivered. I brought you out of Egypt. And I, you had to live in the desert for a little while. And when you come into that land and you get comfortable, I want you once a year to go back and get some branches and set up a booth 
and look back at what took place and let celebration and praise and gratitude begin to flow out of your heart one more time. Here's what he's saying. Here's what, here's what took place. As he's reading the scriptures, everybody started to get convicted. Hey, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Hey, look at this. It's a feast of booze. What do you do? They all went out and got some branches, and they lived in these little booths for the next seven days. Why? Because the Lord declared seven days of celebration. They, he says, yeah, you've been working hard, but here's what you'll notice in the next four chapters. There's not one thing mentioned about the building. Hey, wasn't the building the primary thing? No, at the end of a God-given vision, at the end of a God-given vision, at the end of God-given vision, there's God. At the end of doing all that they did, it wasn't, oh, what a great wall we've got. Let's go hang on the wall, touch the wall, pet the wall. Look at the gates. Aren't we excited about the gates? Look at these doors. No, they said, isn't God amazing? At the end of it all, and so what did they do? They got grateful because they couldn't help, they couldn't miss that they could never have done this themselves. It's profound. All right. Revival breaks out. And the country is not the same. Why? Because of a building project. I'm not going to announce another building project. <laughs> this is phenomenal to me. Does anybody remember when Jesus shows up and he says, Peter, I want you to take your net and throw it over the other side of the boat. Anybody heard that story? What happened as a result of that? His nets were filled with fish. And if, as a good fisherman, I know what I do is I'd say, hey, everybody, look at the fish. You know what Peter did? He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Here's what happened at the end of that. When he, see God, when he seen God at move, he said, Lord, you are awesome. He didn't point at the fish. Because when the hand of God gets revealed, people then point to the Lord. What took place? He didn't say it's the fish. At the end of the project, what did they say? God, you're great. When God, when his hand moves, who cares about the building? Who cares about the wall? Who cares about the net full of fish? God is just shown up and his hand has touched earth. What do we do? We go, yay, God. And that's exactly what they did. They couldn't help but celebrate. I'm going to tell you an inspirational story. And, uh, and then I'm going to wrap it up. Okay. All of chapter 9 is a praise party. All they did was nothing is said about the building, as awesome as it likely was. Nothing is said. He just said all through chapter 9, you should read chapter 9 about all the things that took place. Let me just close with a story. And here's my, here's my, here's my charge to us today. I don't want you to have an attitude of gratitude. I want you to practice gratitude. Grandma used to say, we used to sing a song, count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Gratitude is about looking back and being thankful for the things in our life. Um, whatever success you enjoy so far, it's included other people. I've been told... And I've observed this, the most bitter tears are shared at gravesides of words that were not said and actions that were not done. For, for, for some, that can actually put them into a psych ward because now they don't have any way of closing that previous relationship. Um, if you could count the people in your life, this, I became so convicted of this 
everybody I went for coffee with this week, I just stopped for a minute and I looked in their eyes and said, here's why I'm thankful for you. And here's what happens with gratitude. It's never just one. The person that you just were thankful for, they all of a sudden got happy too. It's amazing how that works. A guy, a guy, you wonder, is that even possible? A guy named Walter Green, he had a successful company. He was the chairman and CEO of a company he had built. He had over 1,400 employees. He sold it, retired. But something, he could have golfed for the rest of his life. But something nagged him. Is he never got to thank people that made him successful. True story. He was going to be the one guy that thanked everyone who helped him. Except his dad, who died at 17. I'm talking about the power and the practice of gratitude. He sat down and he counted the people who had helped him. There was 44. And he called them my 44. They ranged from age 28 to age 87. 44 might sound like a lot of people. If you look back in your life, you and I could probably find more than 44. Walter developed a gratitude plan. Kind of like a lifetime achievement reward in reverse. Given, not received. A eulogy is the most precious before someone passes. He knew that. So here's what he did. He didn't text. What a pathetic way of communicating anyway. He didn't email. He got on a plane. In fact, he got on lots of planes. This was a year of gratitude. He crisscrossed the country for a year. And the, and the most common response he got when he told people what he was doing, here's the most common response. Walter, are you okay? Which shows how rare gratitude is. So then he explained to them exactly what he was doing. And their response would be this. Are you sure you're okay? Personally, he prepared his year-long gratitude quest. Some of the relationships were over 40 years. Face-to-face, he did a personalized thank you. And then the last thing that he would ask them, he'd ask them their perspective on him. This wasn't narcissistic. If anybody knew him, collectively, this group of 44 knew him over 1,000 years. So he, he asked them if he was doing okay. He, he used them as their mirror. And he asked the eternal question, who am I? And am I doing the right things? He didn't take notes because he wanted his full attention to be with this person, to be present. So he had an audio recorder. And after a year, they all got a gift-wrapped CD of that conversation and a picture of him with this person. The letter, uh, a letter that expressed, and and a separate letter expressing what that year had been like. Something interesting happened because most of the 44 people were so changed that they changed the course of their life and began to do different things after that moment. It's fascinating to read the story. I'll tell you where it is, but I'd like to, first of all, let me finish this. So he says, so what happened, 44 people were so inspired and thankful that they set out to do different things themselves. Scientifically tested, Thanksgiving makes you feel better, but what's so special is it makes both people happy. So at the end of the year, somebody asked him, what did you get from your gratitude quest? And here's his answer, peace of mind. Isn't that interesting? This is not like like super technical. The next year, he was on a boat, a cruise with his wife, had a pain in his chest, 
His family had all died with, from a heart condition, and he knew this might be his last. He got flown to a doctor. He found himself incredibly calm. And people said, like, so, so why are you so calm? He said, I have no regrets. I said, thank you to everybody in my life. As it turned out, his heart was fine, and he went on to live, keep living. I want you to stand with me as we close. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.